Well, good morning, Crossroads. We're about to dive in here to this first week of this series called Scarred. And I got to be real with you this morning. Uh, Everybody is dealing with some kind of pain, and I hate that that's true. Uh, One of the promises of Jesus that we don't like to talk about, I mean, there's all kinds of promises that we love, right? He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's he's always going to provide us a way out of our temptation. We have hope for our future. But one of the promises that we don't really like to think about all the time is that Jesus says in his own words, in this world, you will face trouble. Like you not, it's not, you might face trouble. It's like 70% chance you're going to face trouble. Jesus is saying, no, in this world, you are going to face trouble. You're going to have times where life is hard. You're going to be hurt. You're going to experience pain. But it doesn't end there. Jesus says, hey, you're going to face trouble. It's going to happen, but take heart. Why? He says, because I have overcome the world. Anybody excited about that today? That's the God that we serve. He's in control. And, And here's the thing. You're going to experience pain, and that's not easy. We don't like to cheer in those moments, like, yay. No, it's not great. But we serve a God who is faithful. And I want you to know today that if you're walking through a valley, if you're in the middle of a storm, I want you to know today that God is with you. You may not understand what's going on or why it's happening, but I'm telling you today, he's, he's with you. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. I want you to think about the names of God that we see in the Old Testament. He is called Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is called Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Those things have meaning because we all find ourselves in a place at some point where we need him to be the God who is faithful, the God who is with me, the God who will provide, the God who will heal. And that's what makes him so amazing. He meets us in our times of our deepest need. He meets us in our lowest low. And I just want to encourage you today, before we dive in today, that God is with you. You're going to face trouble. And when you face trouble, you have two choices. You can either quit or you can keep moving forward. And the challenge today is don't you dare give up. Keep moving forward. Keep putting your trust in God. Because if you quit, you're not going to have a story. And I guarantee you today that if you keep moving forward, if you'll just continue putting your trust in God, he's going to show up. And he's going to prove himself faithful. And at the end of our time together today, and and this is happening at all of our campuses. So let's just welcome Mishawaka, everybody joining in St. Pete, everybody joining in Nashville online. Welcome. We're doing this together today. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to invite you to come forward and to be anointed. And what that is, is it's a symbol of surrender. It's not a magical moment, but it's, it's a sacred moment. When you come forward to be anointed, I believe that when we anoint you, and when we anoint you, we put the mark of the cross on your forehead, and we anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you come forward to be anointed, that is a sacred moment of surrender, where you're saying, God, whatever it is that I'm holding on to, whatever that hurt is that I have in my life, whatever the situation it is that I'm dealing with, God, I don't know what's happening, I don't know why it's happening, but God, I'm giving it to you. Man, there is something beautiful that happens in that moment, and I just want you to think about what that moment is to you today. And what that moment of surrender could look like. Because God is the God who redeems the pain. And he can walk with you through it. And he can make something out of you because of it. And I want to talk about what that means and why that's so important today. Uh, Everyone has scars. Can we just be honest? We've all experienced difficult moments in life. We all have scars. And sometimes they're minimal. Like uh, I have a scar in the shape of a candy cane on my pointer finger. And it's, you know, it is what it is. uh, you know, it's an awful disfigurement. I carry it with me. 
But it happened when I was, you know, in my, you know, late teenage years, you know, I was protecting a group of victims from violence. I said, I will protect you from these violent gangs. And I was fighting them and cut myself. No, that's not what happened at all. I, uh, <laughs> I crushed my finger getting firewood for a fire in my garage. That, that's really what happened. I'm going, ow, <laughs> dad, it hurts. I was 19. And um, <laughs> that's where I got that scar. Uh, okay, big deal, right? Okay, I get it. We all have scars. Uh, a little bit more, you know, I guess, serious. I remember getting a phone call about five years ago from the school nurse. They're saying, your son uh, has a cut on his head. He probably needs stitches. Could you come get him? We're like, oh, no. I remember driving to the school, walking to the nurse's office, and there's my son, Carter. He's laying on, the, on their little bed in there, and sure enough, I mean, he's just got a giant gash on the top of his head, and I'm going, what happened? And I'll never forget this. I've written this down in my journal, and it still makes me cringe. The, the response was, your son was struck in the head by something. <laughs> really? I'm going, I've been here for three seconds, and I know that. <laughs> Those, that's when it's really difficult to be a pastor. I'm just telling you, ugh, it's hard to be a pastor. Ah, you know I'm a pastor! <laughs> So in very calm tones, I said, very well, <laughs> I'm going to take my son to the doctor and get him stitches. You're going to find out what happened, and I will call you shortly. I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. <laughs> oh, man. And so we all have scars, right? And it gets real. I mean, we've all experienced pain in our life. We've all been there. We've all been there, and we all experience pain to varying degrees, but, you know, I've been there. I've been fired. That's no fun. I've been an outsider, been through walks and periods of my life where, man, I, I don't fit in. What's going on here? What's, what's the next step for me? I've been broke. <laughs> We've all been there. We all go through the different hurts. We all go through different trials. We all go through different moments. And I think the first thing we have to understand is that when we are experiencing the lows, when we're walking through the valleys, we're right in the middle of the storm, we're just getting beat up on every side. I think a lot of times the temptation is to quit. Like you get angry at God and you just you give up. I want to remind you today that that wasn't God's plan. You know, and I get a little, I'm not the kind of guy who gets really deeply offended. So to say I'm offended is kind of an overstatement, but it irritates me. How about that? It irritates me a lot of times when People are going through life, and they experience really terrible pain. And, you know, we, we tend to respond in platitudes because we don't really know what to say, right? We're like, well, it's God's plan. And you're like, is it? Like, I struggle with that. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, when he brought all the creation that he had created before Adam, and Adam names it, and Adam and Eve are walking in the garden, God, God stepped back and, behold, everything I have created, he said, it's good. And, and there was relationship, intimate fellowship between God and man. They would meet in the garden. They would walk with each other. They would talk with each other. And there was no sickness. There was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no death. So what changed? Well, <laughs> we did it. Through sin, death enters into the world. Through, through sin, suffering and, and pain and shame. And, and it's us, you guys. We, we broke that. That's not what God created. We, we broke that. But what's amazing about God is that 
he's not okay leaving that the way it was. He wasn't okay with it being broken. I think we have to recognize that about God. God saw that we had broken his trust. We had broken his one law. And instead of being okay with that and letting it remain broken, God says, no, no, I'm still going to redeem that pain. I'm going to redeem that. God says, no, I'm, I'm going to become a, a man, and I'm going to pay the sacrifice that needs to be paid so that that can be uh, restored, that relationship can be made whole. See, Jesus came to pay the price we couldn't pay. Jesus came to restore that which was broken. And now we have a hope in Jesus that, wow, one day I can look forward to eternity with God in, in that, that creation that he created that was good. I, no more suffering, no more pain. There is no death. He wipes every tear from our eye. That's why Jesus came to planet Earth to restore us, to, to rebuild what had been broken. I hope you realize that's how much God loves you. And I think a lot of times we forget the big picture when we're walking through the valley because it's hard to see beyond the pain that we are experiencing. But I want to reassure you today, God loves you with an extravagant love, and there is nothing that you can do about it. Can I get anybody excited about that today? He loves you. And I need, you need to know that, and I want you to hear that today if you're walking through a difficult time in your life. And sometimes we face the consequences of choices that we've made. We've got to deal with that. Sometimes things happen to us, and they're terrible. But I want you to know God is with you. He is the God who provides. He is the God who heals, and he hasn't changed. And I think all through history, you look at all these people who are amazing heroes of the Bible, amazing heroes of the faith that we look at and go, these people are extraordinary. And I think we forget, since we know the whole story, we see how these people ended up, we forget that every single person who God used to do extraordinary things went through a time where they struggled, they hurt, they had scars. I think about Abraham in the Old Testament, who he is promised by God that he will be the father of, of his chosen people, of a great nation. Abraham at that point in life doesn't have a child. It's not possible. Abraham's putting his trust in God's promise. It was 25 years of life before Abraham and Sarah experienced God's promise. They were so old that people were mocking them. There's no way you will ever have kids. And then God is faithful. God shows up, and sure enough, he becomes the father of God's chosen people. I think about Joseph, who is called to be this great leader. He has dreams that God gives him where everyone's going to be bowing down to him, and he has no idea what that means. And at 17 years old, he's not smart enough to not brag about it. Like, hey guys, I had a dream. You're all going to be bowing down to me. Cool story, huh? And they're like, we hate this guy. Let's get rid of him. What, what do his brothers do? They throw him in a pit. You know, a caravan comes traveling through and they sell him into slavery. He finds himself a slave in Egypt for seven years. For another seven years, he finds himself in prison in Egypt. And this guy's got to be wondering, man, I thought God had a plan for me. I thought he was going to do something great in my life. I thought there was something happening. And then there's that realization that, oh man, it took 14 years, but God created in Joseph the character needed for him to be ready for that moment when he needed him to be used by God. I think a lot of times when we think about the development of ourselves as, as children of God, becoming the person that God has created me to be, becoming the leader that he has called me to be, I think we expect that to go really quickly, like just to arrive. Like that's not how it works though. God doesn't really microwave us. He's, he, he puts us in the crock pot, all right? It's a slow simmer, all right? That's what happens. And, and we would like for it just to be ready, like, yes, I want to be the person you've called me to be. But we have to go through that trial by fire sometimes. We have to, to go through the time where it's, it's a struggle. 
we experience difficulty and we don't always know why. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what God's thinking. And yet we have to trust that he's faithful. We have to trust that he's with us. These are the promises that he has given us. We have to trust who he is. He's the God who provides. He's the God who heals. He doesn't fail us. And the times when we have to cling to that the most are when we're walking through the valley. I think about Moses, one of the greatest heroes of the Old Testament. And I think about how his journey began. I mean, God had promised Abraham. God had made his promise through Joseph. You are my chosen people. Taking Joseph to Egypt set the stage for the Israelites being in a a wealthy nation and having the opportunity to grow. For 400 years, the Israelites just grew like crazy. And it got to the point in Egypt where the Israelites, the Hebrew nation, outnumbered the Egyptians. And so it says in Exodus chapter 1 that a king took over Egypt who forgot what Joseph had done, who forgot the story and said, hey, these Israelites, they outnumber us. They are now a threat to us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make them our slaves and we're going to tell them they can't have children. And any child that is born that's a boy, that boy gets thrown in the Nile River. I mean, this is a terrible, terrible time. You talk about enduring a time of suffering, enduring a time of of just pain. Talk about carrying scars. This is terrible. And that's the setting that Moses, this great leader of the Old Testament, that's what he was born into. Think about everything that went in to the first few moments of his life. Exodus chapter 2 says, About this time a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. I mean, this is crazy, right? And this, I mean, I'd like to think as a parent, I'd be doing everything I could to protect and hide and, and, and save my baby just like, I mean, this is a terrible situation. If anyone was ever going to ask, God, why are you allowing this to happen? These are our children. God, aren't we your chosen people? Where are you in this? I mean, this is difficult to wrap your mind around. This is a terrible time. But it goes on to say, the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And this is where the story takes a turn. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Now that's a twist. Who wants to just raise your hand if you want to get paid to raise your kids? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, that's awesome. Like, what? Maybe we make a little baby boat and put it in the river and see if we can get paid. No, it's a terrible idea. This is an amazing twist. There... They've kind of given up to the idea like we can't protect our son any longer. We believe that this is a special baby. God has a plan for this child, but there's nothing that we can do anymore. So they do their best to keep him safe. They put him in a little baby boat, put him in the river, keep an eye on him. And then this happens. Hey, can we pay you to raise this child? 100% yes. Deal. (laughs) Done. That's amazing. So, So God is moving here. God is working. It goes on to say, 
The woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, really, she didn't do any of those things. Remember, it was like, maid, go see what's happening over there. The baby's crying. Lady, raise him for me. And then years later, he shows up. And she's like, ah, yes, I lifted him out of the water. What? No, you didn't. Uh, but that's another story. That's another story. Um, God moved and went ahead of Moses and his family. I mean, you see that, right? In the middle of a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. And what I think we don't realize in the life of Moses is that even though he's walking in the blessing and the favor of God, nothing in Moses' life really makes sense. Nothing in his life really comes naturally because Moses would be one of very few Hebrew boys who would have survived that time frame in history. There's no other boys his age. Everybody looks at him and goes, why did he get a chance to survive? So when he goes and is adopted by Pharaoh, all of the other Hebrews, all of the other Israelite people are going, who is this guy? He's not really one of us. When he comes into Pharaoh's courts as one of the, the Hebrew children that the princess just decided to adopt you know, as the pet project, oh, he was precious, he's mine. Well, what does that mean? It, dude, Moses doesn't have a home. Moses doesn't really have a people. And I think we see that as his story unfolds. Really, Moses, he had scars. He was displaced. The Egyptians didn't fully accept him. The Israelites didn't fully accept him. I mean, he had an awkward upbringing. Now, it was great. I mean, he's got access to everything. He would have been trained as a warrior, educated. He's got some great things going for him, but he doesn't really have anybody. He's displaced. And you think about that, he's disconnected as well because he really is, he's truly alone. He's a man without a home. He's not truly accepted by anyone. So, I mean, we feel disconnected in our culture, even though we're more connected than we've ever been, right? We can all feel disconnected. We can all relate to that. Truly feel alone. Moses would have felt that way. We don't think about that. He's the prince of Egypt. But he was displaced. He didn't have a people. He was truly alone. I think what you see in Moses' life is he was discouraged because the Israelites didn't accept him. He was an outsider. Didn't have anybody. So what does that look like in life when, when things don't go your way? When you're dealing with hurts? When you're dealing with moments that are going to leave scars? I think it's really important to circle in our lives that there is purpose in the pain. There is purpose in the pain. God is the God who redeems those painful situations in our lives. It doesn't mean that they're going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you get to skip out on some of them. No, actually the promise is, remember, in this world you will face trouble. I'm so sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You're going to walk through difficult moments in life. It's going to happen to every single one of us. But that's when you have to remember, I have to take heart because I've put my trust in the one who has overcome the world. There is purpose in the pain. I can't choose when I will experience pain, but I can choose how I will respond to the pain. That's really important. And I said this before, but I want to say it again. When, when you're experiencing a difficult situation in your life, when you get overwhelmed by something that is really painful, you really have two choices. You can quit and you say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. Get angry and just turn away from God. Or you can keep moving forward. And if you quit, can I just challenge you today? You're not going to have a story. <laughs> I want you to have a story. Because if you keep moving forward, I guarantee you, God is going to show himself to you. He is going to be faithful. The outcome might not be what you hoped it would be, but there's purpose in the pain, and he's with you. Man, he's the God who provides. He's the God who heals. He's the God who you can trust. 
you can put your hope in him. And I think the reality is God uses my scars, God uses your scars, he uses those scars to help us grow, to become the person that he has called each and every one of us to be. What's crazy about the life of Moses is that as crazy as his upbringing was, as as weird as he might have felt in that environment, God was preparing Moses to do things that only Moses could do. He was preparing Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And at the end of the day, Moses was uniquely qualified to be the one person that could rally everyone around him and lead his people out of Egypt. And it's all a crazy story, right? I mean, Moses, who's feeling disconnected, displaced, he's discouraged. One day he's out, he sees one of the Egyptians beating one of the Hebrew slaves, and something inside him just can't deal with that any longer. He snaps and he kills the Egyptian. He can't believe what he's just done. He buries a hole in the sand, hides the body, runs away. And the very next day, when he confronts more people, the Israelites, his people, respond to him by saying, hey, are you yelling at us? And if we don't say something, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And he realizes, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake and everybody knows about it. And sure enough, Pharaoh found out what he had done and Moses has to flee for his life. For the first 80 years of Moses' life, First 40 years, he's disconnected, displaced, discouraged, not sure where he fits. For the next 40 years, he's a shepherd in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. Like, he does not know that God still has a plan for him. There's 80 years of being in the crock pot, simmering, slow cooking, God preparing him to be the leader that God called him to be. And it's in those moments where you're in the wilderness, you're waiting, that you can choose, I'm giving up, I quit. Or you can choose to keep moving forward. And man, when God called Moses to be his leader, I mean, recognize this about Moses. He was terrified in that moment. God appears to him in a burning bush and says, Moses, I've seen the crying of my people. I have not forgotten them. You are going to be the one who leads them out. And Moses is going, are you kidding me? (laughs) There's no way. Moses gave at least five different excuses why he shouldn't be the guy. While he's talking to God, he's hearing the voice of God, and he's saying, God, no, that, no, and not me. God, please send someone else, anybody but me. That was the state of mind that he was in, and and yet God used him to do extraordinary things. And I want to encourage you today, God uses your scars to help you grow. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes something here that is really, really important when it comes to how we respond to pain, how we respond to the difficult circumstances in life. And if if you're struggling, if you're walking through a valley today, I just, I want you to lean in and listen to these words. May this be the word of God straight to you today. Romans 5, 1 through 5, he writes, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have been forgiven, since we have been set free, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, peace that passes all understanding, peace that I can experience in any circumstance, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. What? That sounds crazy, but listen. Not only so, but we glory, we celebrate in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is me moving forward. I have two choices, I can quit. If I quit, I won't have a story. Or I can persevere, I can keep moving forward. 
That's the first step, right? When I experience suffering, that produces perseverance. I'm walking toward Jesus. And perseverance produces character. Character is the opportunity in my life to respond to a situation in such a way that I become more like Jesus. I mean, think about the significance of that. Your character really is, is who you are, the choices you make when nobody's watching, right? But your character is to be modeling who Jesus is more and more in your life. I think the goal in the Christian walk is that every day as I continue to say yes to Jesus, my life is going to start reflecting his love and his character to the people around me. I become more and more like Jesus every single day as I'm just continuing to say yes to him. As God reveals things in my life that I need to surrender, that I need to let go of, that I need to give to him, slowly, I become more like Jesus. It comes from that attitude of, God, whatever the question is, whatever you're asking me, the answer is yes. Whatever you reveal, whatever barriers become between you and I, I'm letting it go, I'm saying yes, it's yours. That's the process. That's the life that he's calling to us to. Perseverance develops character. And character leads to hope. Hope is my trust in God's promises for my life. Hope really is faith in the future tense because hope is looking forward to seeing how God is going to reveal himself, how he is going to be faithful. I have hope that when I take my last breath on planet Earth, that because of what Jesus has done for me, I will be made new. I will be able to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus in that place that he created for us with no more suffering, no more pain, where my relationship with God is restored. What an amazing hope that we have. That's not just about the here and now, that what we do right now matters for eternity. What an amazing hope that we have in Jesus. Hope is trusting in God's promises for my life, not just for eternity, but for today. Trusting that when I'm facing a difficult time, that he's with me. Trusting that when I don't know what's next, that he's the God who provides. Trusting that when I'm hurting, he's the God who heals. I have hope. I have hope in the one who says, take heart, I've overcome the world. I can walk with hope by putting trust in those promises. And in verse 5 he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He is alive in me. He's working in me and he's working through me and he's drawing me to him. What an interesting passage of Scripture that is, how applicable that is when we walk through difficult moments in life. We glory in our suffering because suffering, it produces perseverance. I can keep moving forward. Perseverance creates character. I become more like Jesus, and that character, it leads to hope. I am trusting in his promises for my life. And so I, I want to ask you today, man, if you're walking through a valley, if you're in the middle of a storm, you're, you're dealing with some hurt that you know it's going to leave some scars. How are you responding? You can't choose when you're going to experience pain, but you can choose how you will respond. I want to encourage you today to, to lay that pain to lay that hurt at the feet of Jesus and to give it to him. I, I want to give you two options as we come to a close today. I think when we go back to Moses, he was displaced, he was disconnected, he was discouraged. I think when we feel that way, we have options. When, when I feel displaced, I can choose to keep moving forward as a child of God. What an amazing promise that we have that he's never going to leave us, he's never going to forsake us. What an amazing truth to know that you are his most prized creation and that when we say yes to Jesus, he places his name on you. You are forgiven. You are set free. 
And I think the first response that I want to offer today is this response of just realizing I can move forward as a child of God. Here at Crossroads, we close every service with a chance for someone to say yes to Jesus because I believe every week there's someone joining us who, who needs, is desperate for an invitation to that changed life that only God can give us. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're realizing today, I don't have to carry this burden, this weight, this pain all by myself. I need Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want to give you this chance to respond with us by praying this prayer, by saying yes to Jesus and inviting him into your life. Because when you say yes to Jesus, he forgives you. He sets you free. He carries that burden for you. And I want you to join all of us in saying this prayer because the truth is we all need Jesus. And if that's you today saying for the first time, I need to say yes to Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to say this prayer from your heart with us and put your trust in him. Can we all say this prayer together where we're all seated today at all of our campuses? Can we say this prayer together? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him the glory today for who he is and what he has done for our lives? That's who he is. He forgives us. He sets us free. He carries that burden for us. And I just want to say, if you said yes to Jesus for the very first time today, whether you're in this room here at Goshen or joining us in Mishawaka, St. Pete, Nashville, online, I want you to know that we love you and we want to take these next steps in your journey with you. So wherever you're watching, wherever you're joining, if you're in this room, join us at the front of the room at the end of this service. And there's going to be a campus pastor waiting to talk to you to give you a free Bible and to help you take the next steps in your journey with Jesus. It's the most important decision that you've ever made, and we want to celebrate that with you. But it doesn't end there. That's where the journey begins. So now that I'm walking through this journey of life with Jesus, I'm experiencing pain. I have to decide what I'm going to do with that. Am I going to carry that on my own? Am I going to quit? Or am I going to say, Jesus, I'm inviting you to carry this burden for me. I'm going to keep moving forward. I think there's a couple things we have to recognize. When I feel disconnected, I can choose to become more like Jesus. I can choose to trust in him. When I feel discouraged, I can choose to trust in his promises for my life. That's hope. I believe that God is with me. I believe he's the God who provides. I believe that he is the God who heals. And so as we come to a close today, I'm inviting you, wherever you're watching, as we sing this closing song together, if there is a burden, if there is a painful situation that you've been holding on to, if you're just dealing with something that you're having a hard time understanding, I'm inviting you to, to lay that at the feet of Jesus, to surrender this scar to him. Because you don't have to carry that burden alone. Jesus is with you. He will provide. He will heal. And so my prayer is that if you come forward to be anointed, that as you are anointed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that that will be a beautiful and sacred moment where you surrender and say, God, this pain that I'm carrying, this hurt that I'm dealing with, I'm trusting you with it. Carry it for me. Walk through the valley with me. I'm going to keep moving forward. And I pray that that will be a beautiful moment where you are set free and where you, you will experience the presence of God walking with you in a fresh new way. That's my prayer for us today as we close. And so as we pray together, I just invite you to respond after we're through praying and be anointed today. 
surrendering your scars to Jesus. God, you're so good. We thank you today for your extravagant love. And God, I just ask that you would meet us here in a fresh new way, that as people prepare to surrender their scars to you today, God, that you would set us free, that you would allow us to just walk in victory, knowing that, man, we are facing trouble, but we can take heart, Jesus, because you have overcome the world. So God, we give it to you. We lay our pain at your feet. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing this song? And if you would like to come forward and be anointed, our pastoral staff is at the front, prepared to anoint you as you surrender in this moment to Jesus.